This is Learning Innovation, the teaching and learning podcast, otherwise known as Little Pod. We're created by Lethbridge College's Center for Teaching, Learning and Innovation, located in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. Here at CTLI, it's our job to keep education innovative and accessible, which leads to lots of conversations and projects with students, educators, and experts in our networks. Tune in, hit play, and get inspired as Tyler Wall and Jordana banter about tech tools that you can use today. Today's tech focuses on tools that take our reality and digitizes it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So during the podcast, uh, I'll be showing you different tools that are currently out there. These are tools that anyone can go use. Uh, and I'll list the tools, all the tools that we're going to talk about in the description. So if you feel like, oh, I'm missing out because I don't see it, you can go check out everything with the links. Go click some links. Okay. Watch some videos. I love Look clicking at some links. tools. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, there's like 15 different tools we're going to go over. So okay. there's going to be a lot of links to go through. <sighs> I'm ready. My Jordana, hands. Jordana, did you ever play video games when you were younger? I did. I actually played a lot of video games. That's really cool. Yeah. You, Okay, so do you remember, like, how they used to look? Like, they were kind of, like, clunky. And yep, yep. So Even, I'm, like, thinking of Super Mario, the very first. Yeah. He was just a little blur on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking, actually, back then, that, hey, this is pretty good. These are Like, when the Super totally. Nintendo came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, look at these graphics. For sure. Like, Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, this is amazing. Yeah, it's like, I'm actually this is fighting. Like life. Yeah. Yeah. This is and, life. Like, this is life. More <laughs> Wow, Mortal Kombat. If Mortal Kombat's your life. It was for a while. (laughs) I know some therapists. Yeah. um, Well, do you have a link to this? Actually, I don't know any. (laughs) No, but like back then, like the graphics, even like the polygon graphics, because video games started off with a bitmap, which is like pixels on the screen, right? Yeah. And then it eventually merged into like polygons, which is like little triangles. Okay. And it was like that showed geometry. And it would show like, so I think Star Fox was one of the first ones. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you could see like these triangles moving around on screen. Right. Yeah. That, well, tr- it was the first mainstream game. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So now they've come so far, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Some and of them, it's like you think that they're, it's, it's real. It's real. Yeah. yeah. And so that, like, that's not even 25 years ago. Oh, which is insane. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's advanced so fast. Oh, man. That it's. So how, how, how does it advance so fast? Was, so that's kind of the topic yeah. that we're going to talk about today right. is actually photogrammetry. Have you ever heard of that word, that I, term? I love the word, but I've never heard of that word. It's really fun to say. Yeah. So go ahead and... Photogrammetry. There you go. See, it's fun to say and fun to hear. <laughs> yeah. I feel um, dangerous when I say it. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about photogrammetry. We're actually talking about digitizing the world. And so photogrammetry is the process of actually digitizing things. Mm-hmm. And so... For a long time, especially in the early 2000s up to like 2010, a lot of the graphics were hand done. So like people would would create 3D models and they would texture them themselves. And so they would use some photos from reality yeah. and overlay them onto those models. And that would increase a bit of the reality, make it look more real. Um, but traditionally it was, it was, they were doing a lot of it by hand and the animations Early on in the 2000s, they were used, doing that by hand as well. Yeah. And so even like you see a walk cycle, they were doing that frame by frame oh and goodness. moving like the leg and stuff like that. But they eventually said, okay, wait, this is too laborious and we right. want to do it a little bit faster. So then, you know, motion capture where you can like video somebody and it translates it onto the 
the character itself on the game. Photogrammetry is the process of taking a camera and taking lots of pictures of an object or a space or a thing in real world. Mm -hmm. And so after about 2008, 2009, uh, they started delving into photogrammetry. I think they were researching it before that, but it really started taking hold in, in these eras. Okay. And so it's, yeah, so it, you take thousands of pictures of an object, depending what the object is. It might only be, you know, a couple hundred. And you put it into a computer. The computer says, okay, there's all these points on this object that are similar. And so if you overlap images on an object, taking like a cylindrical path around this said object from high to low, and it sees the overlap, the computer says, well, this picture is very much like this picture. How are they alike? And it eventually creates a model from that, of oh, that object. Like a 3D model. A 3D model. Yeah. And it textures it. Oh, wow. And so the textures themselves adds a lot of three, uh, realism. And so this process has started off very, it was intense. It mm -hmm. took a lot of time, took a lot of computer power. It still takes a lot of computer power. But back then, when you're running, you know, really weak computers... Well, back then they were powerful, but now. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're going to talk about that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. So photogrammetry, and that's where we're going to start. And then we're going to move on to tools that allow you to digitize with your phone. Oh. And other tools. Okay, okay. And so the whole pipeline of digitizing things has gotten a lot faster. And so a lot of the reason why you're seeing graphics that are so realistic now is because game developers are able to quickly create 3D objects that look hyper-realistic and they can do it in minutes. In minutes, wow, yes. okay. And so now they probably do a little bit more than what we would do, but let's let's dive in. So yeah. first off, I'm just gonna show you a few tools that um, allow you to do photogrammetry. And maybe I'll give you a little bit of background on photogrammetry. Right, so, yeah. so photogrammetry, is using photos. So mm -hmm. you're using photos primarily, but you can also use LIDAR. Have you ever heard of this? No. LIDAR. I can't remember the acronym. LIDAR. So it's okay. basically lasers and you're shooting a laser from one point and it hits an object and comes back to a camera at a different point. Oh, And so okay. then the computer can tell you where in space that object is. And so if you have a oh. LIDAR laser and a regular camera, then you can actually take... You it, the LiDAR tells you where that thing is in space, and the camera will give the texture of it. Wow, okay. And so a lot of LiDAR doesn't actually have the texture information. All it does is capture the, the depth space. Okay. And so you can actually put these on drones. And oh so my a drone, goodness. you can put a, a LiDAR on a drone, send it up, and it can actually get really accurate uh, GIS survey information. Okay, okay. And so a lot of, uh, well, even in the NVSI here at the college, they use use a drone for GIS and stuff like that. Now they use photogrammetry primarily, but you could mount a, a LIDAR on, on a drone and do that. And it gives you very, very accurate, like millimeter accuracy. Wow. Okay. And it's fantastic. So like so many applications. Yeah. Like I think 
now that you're talking about it, I'm thinking would th- like 3D scanning, is that kind of a similar thing where they go set up, would it be a LIDAR in like a, say, oil and gas operations where they go into a facility and then they have something that they need to map out the entire facility? And then I've, I've heard of stuff like this where it's like they shoot the, la- like there's lasers and then there's yep. photography. So is Absolutely. that the same thing? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So, okay. so there's many different applications. Yeah. So yeah, right. you can get a, like a, a tripod mounted LIDAR. Yeah. Okay. Uh, CJ, uh, criminal justice. Oh, so yeah. there's, there's quite a few things that they use in there. Not, I don't know if at the college here, but mm-hmm. I know I've seen systems where they'd take a tripod out at a car accident, for instance, and right. they'd put, set the tripod up and it would take the scene. And so then they have the scene captured right in the, in the 3d space. So that scene exists permanently yeah. until they delete the file. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they can go and even like cold cases, well, we don't know what happened. They can go back and while well, I can see the scene again. They could walk through it in VR. They could put it out in AR. Uh, eventually, you could probably even do it through projection mapping. Wow. And then they could actually walk through the scene that way. Yeah, yeah. A and lot then, of applications. Yeah. So people often say, well, can I 3D print this thing? Can I copy it? I'm like, well, yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. You can just digitize it and then 3D print it. And they're yeah. like, okay. And then I say, well, and once we have that file, we can do a lot of other stuff. We could put that object into a game. We could put that object up online. We could put that object into augmented reality. Oh. Once it's digitized, there's a lot more stuff you can do with it. Right. Okay. And so think cool. about like uh, anatomy, bones and stuff like that. We could digitize a bone and then we could send the file out to students. Yeah. You could say, hey, students, go to this site download this file and then you can view it through your phone or iPad and kind of like play with it almost play with it. You can have it like as a 3d object, Yeah, yeah. but you could also with augmented reality, put it on the table and have it the actual size, the right size and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you can actually start doing more stuff with it. Okay. So then you could overlay muscles or you could like tap on things and it would show uh, labeled information. Right. Which would be so helpful just yeah. seeing it like that. Cause I mean, a lot of the time when you're learning information, at least when I was in school, I remember they would talk about it and it's like, Oh man, I, I mean, until I actually see it, it's, it doesn't really right. click. Yeah. So it would just help with that. Even uh, I'm actually talking with, there's some uh, trades guys in the machining department oh. and they want to digitize heavy machine parts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ones that are like hundreds of pounds. They would be, you could see them. You could, you can actually pull them apart. You could pull them they apart. Would, they would, okay. Yeah, they call it a blow apart. So you could like have all the parts come off of yeah. it. Yeah. And then they would, then they, each student, instead of having one part that oh. students have to gather around and see, each student could have it on their phone or totally. iPad and they could put it on the table in front of them and then they could disassemble it there and then reassemble it. Yeah. And they can spin it around. It could be the actual size. That is so cool. You I love that. Potentially even have like state of the art engines in your classroom <sighs> without having to buy a state of the art engine. Totally. Right? Yeah. So anyway, so many applications. Oh yeah, I love that. To digitizing the world. Right. Right? So LIDAR is one. We have to keep in mind the size of the thing that we're that we're gonna be taking. So I often say that there's room scale photogrammetry and there's object sized. Yeah. So like room scale is like the room that we're sitting in, Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, a house, something like that. That's room scale. Yeah. Object size is something smaller than, uh, say a fridge. Okay. And so there's different techniques in capturing these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially with photogrammetry, when you're using the the computer applications, you have a lot more leeway on what you do. Mm -hmm. But once you get to the phone and the iPad and the other tools, you room scale and object scale become very important mm-hmm. because one is good for one 
and but not the other. So yeah. like a handheld scanner is really good for objects, but not good for a room and right. vice versa. And it all depends on how many lasers it's sending out. Yeah. And, and that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. I just wanted to make you aware. Material type is also important. Oh. So if you look at these microphones, right. some of them are shiny. Photogrammetry hates shiny things. <gasps> Why? Well, when you move around it, the reflection from the light actually changes what it looks like. And so our brains figure it out really quickly, but the computer oh. can't because it looks at one picture and says, oh, there's a shiny part right there. And it, you know, it's flaring. It's very bright. And then a picture a few centimeters away, that shiny part is actually moved because... Oh, yeah, because it depends on where you're standing. It depends on where you're standing. So there's ways around it. You can use polarized lenses, polarized lights. You can spray paint the thing. Yeah, okay. Spray paint it like a chalk or thing like that. To mat it. To mat it so that you yeah. can take pictures around it. Mm -hmm. and, and so those are the kind of ways that you can get around it. Some photogrammetry is really good at seeing through all that stuff. A lot of it isn't. It's gotten a lot better. The, the technology is advancing at a really fast rate. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more easy to do. Right. So um, material is something you have to keep in mind when you're taking photogrammetry. And also the lighting. And so if you're in harsh light, sunlight, it usually doesn't work as well. Okay. But it, you know, it depends on what you want to have out your output, right? Right. So a lot of people, what they do is they want like overcast. If you're outside, overcast. Yeah. Um, if Just you're like inside, the, right. perfect studio lighting where there's no bright spot, mm. there's no hot spot. Um, and then when you capture it, you get a very flat object. Yeah. And that flat object can then be lit in digital and you can light it in any way you want. So if the reason why you don't want harsh sunlight is because if you bring that object into, uh, into, the, into the computer, when you light it later on, with studio lighting or any kind of digital lighting that you want, because it's in the digital world, you can add any lighting you want. If it's if you captured it in full sunlight, it's going to always look like it's in full sunlight. Right. No matter that's what the original. lighting. That's right. Yeah. No matter what lighting you put on it, it's going to look like it's in full sunlight. And so those are those are some of the limitations of photogrammetry. And so moving forward, it's nice to know those things. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me a lot of uh, when I dabbled in photography, it was um, typically it was better to underexpose versus overexpose because you can always kind of like fix things afterwards yes. and add yep. those pieces after. Um, so yeah, and then even it makes sense because you want to take a picture when the light is nice and even and just evenly dis dispersed. So yeah. yeah and so it, it's very similar to right. photograms. So yeah. You're trying to get this thing so that you can later light it however you want. Yeah. Yeah. So first off, we're going to talk about Agisoft. Oh my. So Agisoft, we have this program here at the, uh, in, in our department. Yeah. I use this fairly often and it, so it's basically, it's good for everything. If you want to take an image of, uh, a room, you can do it. If you want to take an image of, you know, six kilometers, you can do it Wow. and it'll create a 3d model. If I want to take a picture of something as big as my thumbnail, a little rock or something like that. Or my coffee earrings. Or your coffee earrings. Absolutely. Oh. You can then capture it with this kind of application. I would take a lot of photos of that. Yeah. Uh, those earrings themselves, I would probably take about 50 photos. Okay. And that would give me an, a good output of a model. And so then I can take that model. I can blow it up really big. So those are pretty small. They're so small. They're like the size of... Your pinky finger pinky yeah. nail or something. I feel something. like, yeah. yeah, like my thumbnail, thumbnail. maybe. Yeah. Which is exactly what you you were saying. It's yeah, like that's... And so the great thing about digitizing the world is that you can now 
take that. If you wanted to show somebody, you could send them, a, if we digitize it, you yeah. can send it to them. And they could like look at it on their phone and they could zoom in and they could see all these little details right. and all that stuff. And the textures yeah. of, of everything. And it would be like they're holding it oh, wow. in a sense. Yeah. Right? Of course yeah. they aren't, but they're holding a phone. But <laughs> like, where is it? Your earrings are as big as a phone? Yeah. I'm assuming some people would be like, I can't translate that information. Right, right, right. But no, that's so cool. And like, just like even you, the, basically the photos you would take would be like all different angles with, yes. with, um, as many angles as possible. Right. So you're kind of trying to get like a, uh, heliocentric yeah. view of it. So you're taking photos all around it and from high to low. Right. So you'll take like 10 from up high and then 10 from midpoint, 10 yeah. down low, all the way around the object. So that's okay. object. If you're doing an object, if you're doing a space, it's obviously inversed. Yeah. And you're taking pictures away from the center. Right. So that's Agisoft. Agisoft. It's a really good program. I like it. The next one is Call Map. This one's free. So Agisoft costs money. Yeah. But Call Map is free. I use this one as well. It's really good, um, but it's free. Yeah. And so it takes a lot more work. Okay. And there's a lot more stuff going on. So if so with Agisoft, if I take pictures of something, I can output it in a model mm -hmm. with textures. So that means it looks like the end product. Yeah. With Call Map, all you get is the model. So okay. you get no texture information. So I'd have to add that later, which was a big, it takes a lot of time to do yeah. textures. And so that's why I was kind of like, I don't like this one. Right, right. Which makes sense. It's saving you some time. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the next one is, Whoa. it's called Meshroom. Uh, it's by Alice Vision. And so Alice. you'll see the link in the bottom. It's Alice Vision, but that's actually Meshroom. Okay. And, and you can kind of see the output here. So there's a model and there's a texture, right? Yeah. So textures actually add a, a huge amount of realism. So the model itself is good. Whenever you're doing photogrammetry, the model is important, right. but not as important as the textures yeah. for when you're trying for realism. Because actually you can have a really low resolution model, which means it doesn't have a lot of uh, polygons. Okay. And I can show that later on. Mm -hmm. um, but basically to say that the polygon count, like there's not as many faces on it. Um, and I'm, I'm getting a little jargony at this point, but um, the texture covers all that. Mm -hmm. So if you okay. can get the basic shape with photogrammetry, then you can add the textures and it looks really real. Okay, yeah. The next one is reality capture. I really like reality capture. It There is, uh, I believe they charge per render. Oh yeah, okay. And so you can take the pictures, upload them, and just say, I want this rendered. Right. And it might cost you fifteen bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is good. If you're only gonna do one thing, yeah. Then that that that's cost effective. Just right? to kind of dip your toes. It's better than like fifteen hundred dollars for a different oh, piece of software. Yeah. Right? So everything captured in this video is actually digital. No. Oh my goodness. Okay, actually this reminds me of when I played uh Elder Scrolls games like Morrowind oh. and Oblivion. Yes. I don't know if you ever played those, but the it, the uh, I haven't played a recent one, but it was very much like the every all the environment was just it looked like they were like the wind blowing through the grass and and it was much like that actually. Yeah. But that some of these are crazy. That's yeah, the diffused light. That's so cool. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you make that? That's so that, and that's and that's the reason why you'd want to capture it in normal lighting, and mm -hmm. then you can light it later on in-game. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah this and is once you, so And once you cool. get into game development, it, it starts to make itself a lot more apparent of why you'd want to get, like, 
nearly no lighting. Yes. You just want texture detail and you want uh, shape detail. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then you can add lighting later. So anyway, reality capture. That's cool. Yeah. That is really cool. I think there's there's other ways you can purchase. I think you can purchase it outright if you wish. Yeah. Uh, which might be what some people want. Another one that we have is uh, Pix4D. It's basically meant for drones. So you take the drone up, you fly it over. It takes a lot of pictures. Mm. You, it'll it'll actually tell the drone what to do. Oh wow! And then it gets the pictures it needs. Yeah. And then it comes back, and then you can create a three D model out of it. Oh man! And so that's for big things, right? That's for yeah. That's even bigger than room scale. That's like land scale. Oh yeah. And okay. so you're like, you're trying to capture like six kilometers of coolie. Right. And I think we have somebody on campus who actually did that. They took like six kilometers oh. of Kuli to find out like, you know, where is it slumping? Where is it? All oh, that kind really? of stuff. Yeah. So they can find, uh, get that GIS data. Yeah. And it's rough. It's rough data because it's photogrammetry. It's not like actual laser laser precision. Mm-hmm. But you can get actually very, very close to laser position, pre- precision, precision yeah. out of it. And so it's a good first step. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So here's an example of something that we created on campus. Re- so I, yeah. I, I did this with Agisoft, and the link will be in the description. And so this is at Writing on Stone. Yeah, the and Writing so, on Stone Provincial Park. Wow. Okay, it's even captured that, like the hieroglyphic details. Yes, and that's why we did it, because they wanted to capture it before certain things fell off. Yeah, Because right. there's a lot of erosion that happens at Writing on Stone. So they wanted to capture some stuff. Yeah. Some certain... Uh, certain writings and things like that. And so you can see, I think I took, I think there's 500 photos for this. 500 photos. Yeah, 500. But you can see that it it captures it in in quite good detail. Yeah, yeah. It just like makes you want to touch it. Yeah, absolutely. I always, whenever I open these ones up, I'm like, I just want to touch it. Oh man. And it's so text. So I'll show you what it looks like without the textures on. Oh, yeah, that would actually be a good, because then it's going to take out all of the realism, probably. Right, yeah. And so if if you're, if you go to the link in the description uh, and you open up one of these files, you can actually go down to the model inspector in the bottom right. If you click on that, and it'll bring up a little HUD on the left-hand side. And if you just go down to wireframe, it will take off the textures and you'll only see the wireframe. It's just shapes. It's just it's like just the triangles. And so, yeah, triangles. And that's a polygon. Right. So a triangle in, in 3D is it's a polygon. polygon. Yeah. And so I could go for days for talking about polygons. But. <laughs> Did you ever play that game? I cannot remember the name of it, but you are shapes that are just like zooming around. I think it was for Super Nintendo. Oh, really? I, mean, I never played that it one. It was like weird music in the background and it was dark and you were these these polygons and and like rectangles and it was like weirdly aggressive because you were zooming around oh, wow. and then you would like try to take out the other shapes. I cannot remember the name of it, but it was like, it, I, if I played it now, it would be nostalgia immediately because yeah. it was like when I was very small playing that game. But that's what it reminds me of too. It's like yeah. maybe they were experimenting with they, like... And that's probably what it was because yeah. they're like, we have these polygons and we yeah. can move them around yes. in 3D space. Yeah. And how do we make a game out of it? And they're like, well, let's just have like the polygons fight each other. Right. And that was, it was very weird, but very, yeah. like very compelling too, because yeah. the music too, it was right. like, yeah. do, do, and you're like, I'm, it's so aggressive. Like I felt, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm doing this. Aggressive polygons. Yeah. Aggressive polygons. But yeah, that's, oh, wow. So that's cool, right? Yeah. And it's then, very so cool. we can also, in, when you're in the model inspector, you can do a lot of things and it's good at play around. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you can, you can change. There's not a lot going on in my model, but you can go to some others on this site. Uh, 
and this is without render and this is with render. I just, it's crazy to see the difference of, like it looks like a real, like it's right there, like even more than a photo because it's, it's 3D. Yeah, exactly. And so this is, and actually to give you some perspective, we actually got pictures of this with a camera on a pole because this is Whoa. 20 feet tall. Oh, wow. Okay. And so we were getting these pictures off a pole, uh, Lyle Ruggles and I, and uh, we got lots of pictures of it. And it was a, a long morning of holding a pole up. Oh, my goodness. And I think, and writing on stone's very hot. Yeah. And so we were standing there in the heat. <laughs> like 30 plus, and probably. And we'd have to like stop every now and again because the camera was overheating. Oh, yeah. Right. It was brutal. Man. But so fun. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then this is the product at the end. And then you get to interact with it. Right. So this is another one. This is actually, uh, it's called Signature Rock. It's at Writing on Stone yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And so this one, people can't access this. And oh. so this this stone itself is probably four feet tall. And so if I just zoom in here. Oh, wow. And so I took a lot of photos. That's crazy. So say, like, much smaller than the last one, right? Yeah. But with this one, it's, again, probably around 300 to 500 photos. And because they needed extra detail yeah, on this. Yes, the details right? are yeah. wild on this. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Like yeah, the, and so you can see all this detail, all this stuff. Because they really don't want to lose this no, at all. No, because right? this is like, how old would this piece this be? This is like 100 years old or some yeah. such like that. Yeah. So it's, you know, a lot of them are RCMP that have carved on this, sitting at the outpost. Oh, wow. So that, yeah, and so, so there's actually... Uh, some people actually still go there. They go there because their grandparents Grandpa yeah. were stationed at the RCMP outpost and they can go see their grandparent, how they carved their That's name in there. That's so cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and little did they probably think, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to carve my name in this thing. And then <laughs> <laughs> That's how people talked back then. So. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. Hey, hey see, I'll just uh, carve my name in this thing. Hey? See? <laughs> So when I initially output this, it had like 30 million polygons. Oh my goodness. And so I, I, we don't need that many. No. And so I, I got rid of the vast majority of them. And that, it's down to about 100,000 right now. <sighs> Not even. Maybe 50, 50,000. How did you tell that it was too many polygons? Did it just uh, look weird? It's just the file size is so big. Okay, yeah. Because every point is going to take a certain amount of space in yeah. a file. And so I was just like, well, we don't need that much. Right, right. And so I just, I knocked it down because you're not seeing that much detail. That was going to be the question too, is like, if you had that many and if it was fast enough, would you just see more detail? Or at yes. some so, point? So part of the reason why we went there is actually to capture it for research as well. Yeah. And so when you have that extra detail, like... You viewing it, me viewing it, we'll never see it. Yeah. We're never going to be studying it. Right. But with them, they want the extra detail because carvings happen over top of other carvings. Yes. And if you're doing carving, you're trying to see what was written underneath, you actually want that extra detail so that you can like throw an algorithm at it and, and it'll take out what's on top. Right, right. So you can see underneath. Almost. And you need that extra detail to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll use LIDAR to do to get oh. even more accurate detail because this is photogrammetry. And we talked about LIDAR a little bit. They actually have specialized uh, equipment for LIDAR for, for research purposes. Yeah. But it's very expensive. <gasps> Like north of fifty thousand or something like that for this yeah. lidar machine. Wow! Yeah, so, but very useful. Yeah. But they wanted they wanted something. They're not going to be studying at that level, so they just wanted something that they could look at. Yeah. Right. Right. This 
is uh, fluorite, and it's 100 feet long. 100 feet long. Actually, I just lied. It's actually the size of your thumbnail. <laughs> no way, no yeah. way. A what? So it looks, it actually looks huge. It looks huge, I'm yeah. yelling. <laughs> just let me scream into the microphone. <laughs> so it's the size of it's my thumbnail. It's the size thumbnail. of your thumbnail, it's yeah. It's so pretty. Oh. Right? And so one of the instructors here actually had these little tiny rocks and they, they yeah. wanted them digitized because so that you could see them when they're bigger because yeah. they're so small, right? And so, yeah, so we I digitized them. There's the number on the back. So it didn't get the number very well. No. But it, it got the rest of the rock it's pretty so well. It's so pretty. It's like a little ocean. It is. Fluorite's oh. really pretty. Fluorite, yeah. Yeah. So that's just kind of to give you the, the power of photogrammetry. Oh. You can go really big and or you can go small. Yeah, like, Mike. well, microscopic? Could you go that small? It's probably like micro... Because I, I was even thinking like... You can get pretty small. I think you can get like um, like centimeter okay. and smaller. Yeah. Like not yeah. quite. Yeah. Like half a centimeter. And then you just need special equipment. So okay. they do bugs as well. Oh, and that so, would be so cool. And yeah. And do, so doing bugs, the the setup for a bug is pretty intense. So you got to like give them coffee, calm yeah. them down, like, like, like relax for they a have bit. To have their own trailer. Yeah. Like they're really yeah. dramatic. They are. Especially I'm, mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, such blood suckers. Yeah. They just, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming the bugs are dead, though. You would have to have yeah. a dead bug. Okay. Well, yeah, you do. Yeah. Because you can't have, they would just not cooperate. I'm sure you could probably get a system to do it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah a bumblebee dead. would be really cool. It is. And they are really cool. And yeah. when you see photogrammetry done of bugs, yeah. it is really cool. And you, the details you can see, it's just because you can see it as yes. big as a car. It, yeah. Want, yeah. Right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And yeah. It's a different world completely when you get that small. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Which I almost find even more fascinating than going really big because it's like the details on yes. things that you don't really even realize are there. Yeah, absolutely. Would be cool. So we were talking about drones earlier. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring this drone up just because it's super cool. And we talked about AI in our last episode. Yeah. And the episode before. So this is an AI powered drone. Right. And... So it flies around. So the way it works, because you can't, it, they, they tout this as the drone you can't crash. Really? And so you can fly it around. And I've seen people try to crash it. And oh. it's ridiculously hard to crash oh. this drone. So why, how is it so good? Yeah. Why is it so good? So if you see, it's called uh, Skydio. And right now it's the Skydio 2. And um, it has all these cameras on it. So I think it has like six cameras or something like that. 4K cameras all over it. Wow. When it flies, it's actually creating a 3D model on the fly. Literally. It, literally. So that it can navigate through this 3D world. Okay, so it, it's seeing then. It's seeing. Yeah, it's seeing. And it's, and it's really good. You can, you can try and fly it into a tree. You can't. Holy cow. What? Tree branches. The only thing I've ever seen crash it are like power lines. Okay, so they're so small. Because they're so small, and it, it can't see them fast enough when it's flying really fast. Gotta get that thing some bifocals. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the data that it's processing is must be crazy. Yes, So is. how is it doing it that fast and not bogging down? So it has a, a special chip. Uh, I think NVIDIA created it, or Qualcomm okay. created a chip for it. Uh, and my guess is that it's not creating this world. There's no texture on it. So it's creating oh. this world only for navigation. Yep, yeah. But it also 
it's really good at photogrammetry, this, this drone. Yeah. And so you can tell it, I want photogrammetry. So uh, tell this drone that, hey, I want photogrammetry of this thing, and it'll, it'll do it. And so the demo I saw that they did it with was NASA uh, booster rockets. Really? Which would be very hard oh. to get photogrammed because there's all these shapes, very thin shapes. Yeah. And this thing actually just, you just tell it, this is the space I want to get. Yeah. And it just flies and it figures it out all on its own. And it flies around and makes sure it captures everything it needs and then comes back and lands. And so it's literally like doing it all by itself. That's so you're just, you're just giving it parameters to fly around and it does it. Like how much would this thing be worth? Is it like the top of the line drone? It, no. No? You can buy this drone for $1,000. Wow. I, yes. Wow. The software to do all that stuff costs like 1000 a year. Okay, yeah, right, right. But, but that's still... That's still so impressive. I was not expecting... Because, yeah, there's some drones that are going to like run you $15,000. Yeah, $15, right. Right? And this one, yeah, this is, this is their consumer version. There's one that's a, a higher version that's $10,000 drone, and it'll just do a lot more. You can throw a LiDAR on it. You can throw a... Uh, thermal camera on it. Yeah, wow. And it does a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. So we've talked about computers. We talked about um, photogrammetry, taking photos with a DSLR. Yeah. Uh, or a phone. I've A lot really? of the photogrammetry I've done was just taking photos with the phone. Wow. Because I'm like, well, how, how detailed do I need? Yeah. I might just use 30 photos from a phone and that works. And I'm, that's all I need. Yeah. I don't need a high definition. But usually what you want is a, a DSLR. Yeah. Nice lighting. A studio, if if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're going to talk about just just the the phone. Okay. And so there's different ways. There's many more ways to do it. Uh, I talked about drones, and we're going to talk about phones and canvas. Now this isn't an LMS canvas. This is a occipital structure has an app called Canvas. Yeah. So with this one. You actually walk around the room. So this is room scale. So it's using the LiDAR on your phone or on your iPad Pro. So the iPhone 13 Pro or whatever it is, yeah. it has a LiDAR camera on it. Really? Yeah. So it's throwing out lasers when it's taking photos so it can gather depth data. Yeah. And so this app, actually, you can walk around the room. And as you walk around the room, it captures that room and then you can output that. So Canvas is really good because you can output that into a CAD file. So somebody who wants to do renovations could take their whole home and then they could output that to a CAD file and then give it to the engineer. Yeah. And you could do that at home. Do it by yourself. Wow. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't have to hire anyone to do it. Well, someone has to do the well, the rendering Yeah, and all that stuff. Well, the, and the renovations because well, I'm not going to do the renovations. I mean, you could just learn how to do it. Uh, I, guess, do it. I guess there's YouTube. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a good plan. Do yourself. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, really cool. So that's room scale. So one thing to keep in mind is that the new iPhone 13s and the iPads do have this LiDAR on the back of the phone. So here's an iPad here. This is the LiDAR here. You can't really see it. It's that smaller? It's the smaller one. So it's, it's yeah. throwing it a laser, and then the other camera is capturing it. Is there a reason that they, they included LiDAR on iPhone oh, stuff? That's a really good question. Oh. And I do have an answer. Oh, my. So, and I, I have speculations as an answer. Okay, yeah. I haven't got confirmation from Apple yet. Okay, but waiting to One hear. of the reasons why is that they actually do, they do want to capture that depth. 
Okay. And they want these kind of apps to come up. Now, Apple has an ecosystem and they have future plans. Oh, yeah. So Apple actually wants to digitize the world. Well. And so why would they want to do that? Well, Google has their Google cars that drive around yes. and capture roads. Apple wants to do that actually in a different way and okay. actually more granular. And so they want people to be like, well, you can capture your house. Yeah. And my my prediction is, is that when the Apple glasses come out, which were supposed to come out in 2022, uh, they will have this LiDAR on there. And it's just taking and they're, they're, in. They're, it will just capture everything. Without, like just automatically will do it. Kind it, of like these drones are well, doing. A lot of it is for augmented reality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the augmented reality apps that they have on their phone or on the, the glasses that when they eventually come out, yeah. if you captured something, it's getting depth data, it's getting size data. If I capture something with one of these apps on my iPad, yeah. I can then view it through my camera in augmented reality. Right. And it will be the right size. Oh, man. And so if you're capturing stuff with your phone, with your iPad, or with your glasses, if you're wearing glasses and you want augmented reality, well, what does would the chair at Ikea look like? Yeah, yeah, you in can just... In my space. If you have the glass... There is an, actually an app on the iPad that allows you to do that. Oh, wow. And then it will actually get the actual size, the right mm-hmm. sizing in there. So if you look at the Ikea app on, on the iPad... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put the the link in the description. You can actually like pick out, you know, the I don't know the names because I can't I don't speak Swedish. Right, right, but they're but, all yeah, they're all like these Swedish names. Yeah, but a chair you can like, well, what does that chair look like in yeah. my space? You can actually put that chair in your space and look at it through a camera and say that actually will fit really well. Right, in right, that right. Space. The colors are all right, all that stuff. Yeah. And so Apple actually has this ecosystem where they actually want people to start capturing everything. And just doing it for them kind of thing so that that, that it will benefit later on. But Yeah. And I actually have a link to Apple's uh, AR kit coming up. Yeah. And so that's another way you can get into it. I actually haven't started diving into it. I plan on using AR kit because I'm really interested in it. Mm -hmm. I want to delve more into that. How it can apply to education. Can we add more... more stuff. And we talked a little bit about that earlier. Yeah. Anyway, this is canvas. It's, it's a good, so yeah, you can room scale. Be good for like realtors too. It looks like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here's another one called clone Q L O N E. Wow. And so this one doesn't use the LIDAR at all. All it uses is photos. You download the app, put it on your phone and it kind of gives you an augmented reality a dome over top of it. Wow. And this explains really well what photogrammetry is. And in, in like a maybe more simple yeah, way? Yeah, because it, it, it walks you through how to capture something. Yeah. And so it allows you to capture it. It'll get, because it's not using LiDAR, the sizing is going to be a little bit off. Right. Oh, man, that's totally augmented reality right there. Just like putting little characters in yeah, on the floor or absolutely. whatever. That was. That's clone. Clone. Yeah. Oh, food too. That's cool. Oh, yeah. And so here's another Polycam. one called uh, Polycam. So again, this is room scale. They're using the LiDAR in the back. Now, interestingly, a lot of the new phones, the new iPhones, they have, uh, they actually have a LiDAR on the front. On the front they do? Yes, but it's better. Okay. So it depends on your definition of better. Better, obviously. yeah. So the, the LiDAR on the back of the, of the iPhone 13 is coarse. It's coarse. So it's going to get you three centimeter resolution. So by three centimeters, I mean a pixel or a polygon will be no smaller than three pic- three centimeters. Oh. And so we talked about 
polygons earlier, yeah. these triangles. So that, that triangle will not be that bigger than, or smaller than that. Yeah. So it's coarse. I call that coarse. And so you're not going to be able to pick up your earrings, for instance, with that LiDAR in the back of the iPhone or the iPad. Because it's just too small. Yeah. Right. right? It's smaller than three centimeters. It's not going to capture it. I've tried many different tests, uh, chess pieces and things like that. All it does is put a bump. Oh. And then it throws the texture on the bump. Okay. And it just looks ridiculous. (laughs) And even when you do people, people look like blobs oh, no. with human textures. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible. That'd be now, weird. Now, the, the LiDAR on the face of the camera, mm-hmm. of the phone, is a lot more fine because it's trying to see facial features so that you can unlock your phone. Yes, right. But there's certain apps that leverage that and they actually allow you to capture like your face. Okay. And it'll have a lot more detail, polygon detail to throw the textures over, which makes it look a lot more realistic. Yes, right. And so there are some that do it. It's just really hard to like hold the phone away from you. You don't know, you can't see what you're capturing. Yeah, right. So it, it is a little bit more difficult to do it that way. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these apps will actually allow you to do that. This is blowing my mind. I... Yeah, and so this one, you can capture rooms. Uh, I actually use a tool called the structure scanner. Mm-hmm. And so this attaches to um, an iPad. Oh, so occipital structure scanner, <laughs> occipital structure scanner. Um, I'll, I'll put a link in the description. Yeah. So this really shows you how, how it works. So you have a normal camera. Yeah. And you have uh, a sensor, a laser sensor. So the laser sensor sends, sends out, it's not a sensor, sorry, it's a, a emitter. Laser yeah. emitter, it emits the laser and this captures it. Okay. This gives you pretty good detail. It's, yeah. They have a second version out now that captures even more detail. Really? This of is course. actually really good because hair is a really big issue with right. photogrammetry because they are actually kind of translucent a little bit, but mm-hmm. not completely. And they're very fine. They're very yeah. small. And so with photogrammetry, let me tell you, anything with hair is just a nightmare. Right. Because it confuses the computer and it can't see it. Yeah. Um, even LiDAR, LiDAR has a hard time with it as well. Interesting, the yes. hair, yeah. Yeah, but this one actually does a really good job. So I'll show you, uh, you know what, I'll show you one more app, if I can bring it up here. It's called Record 3D. Okay. This one's a little bit different. It's using, it's not. It's capturing the world, it's digitizing it, but it's not making a 3D model. What it's doing is capturing video. No way, that's crazy. And oh. it's, it's depth video. That's weird. And then you can throw things up in augmented reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've done this with my kids, uh, with rooms. I'll walk through a room and it's just like, it's taking depth video and then it adds a pixel on it for every point in space. And it looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Even from these, from these example images and videos. That's so cool. Here's reality kit. Just in case you wanted to know. Okay. So here's, here's something I captured Ooh. with that same scanner. Yeah. The occipital uh, structure scanner. Yeah. It's a really hard word to say. Occipital structure scanner. So this is a, yeah. this is a bison skull on campus that we've three, 3D printed probably 30 times. Right. Yeah, because everyone loves it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And this one has a lot of views as well, 94. That's so, you can so see, cool. Like, it even got inside yeah. and captured a lot of the, the bone stuff on the inside of the skull, which is really interesting. Yeah. So what's the future of photogrammetry? So, so everything I'm talking about, photogrammetry itself takes hours 
takes a long time to do. With the phone, you can get room scale models fairly quickly. Yeah. Something as big as a table is going to work really well. And you're going to be able to do it really fast. This, uh, this scanner that I have here, that will do it really fast. We also have another scanner called the Pop Scanner. Okay. And it, it does a similar thing. It'll capture something uh, in a similar fashion to the, the occipital scanner. Yeah. But it does it a little bit better. And oh, so you can get no. more detail. Yeah. Uh, but you're only going to get so much detail with that. And it's still going to take some time. So what's the future yeah. of uh, uh. digitizing the world? Well, if we look at NVIDIA is doing research right now, uh, all you'll need is like 20 photos and an AI algorithm will then digitize that thing. Yeah. It's called, uh, it's called Nerf. Nerf. Which is really weird. Yeah, I think that's taken. Right? I think so too. They have different sized letters. So obviously right, that, right, that gets right. around that whole thing. <laughs> um there's also one. And in, so here you oh, can yeah. see it working in real time. So eight seconds, I think, is what they. Eight seconds. So they can have a video input. And in eight seconds, they can have a model that is nearly exact. This. Of that thing. That's and, crazy. And like ridiculously hard things like they're, they're showing a fox on here. Yeah. And a fox would be a nightmare to get in photogrammetry. Because it's got a ton of hair. Yeah. And it's fuzzy hair. It's, yeah. Right. It's super fuzzy. And it's like, well, how would they do it? So Nerf, and so Nerf does a few different things. It can go gigapixel. So what you're seeing here. Whoa. <laughs> this is AI generated. Really? The zoom in on this city scene? So in, you can, it goes so fast. It generates this image so fast you can't even see it generating it. Wow. So it has an input image. And then it just says, okay, we'll just create a gigapixel so a gigapixel image is like a super ultra high resolution image. Yeah. Where it's like, it's a, a picture of a city and you can zoom in and keep zooming in and keep zooming in until you can see people. Yeah. And that's not a real photograph? That's, that's not real. Wow. That's AI generating that. <laughs> that's crazy. And so they can have different, uh, different resolutions. Oh yeah, different right inputs. there, yeah. I'm showing a, a bunch of objects now. All these objects are being created in less than 20 seconds. How is it doing this and so, so fast? And so it's doing this with like very minimal inputs. And so it's an AI. It, they're, they're in the research stages now. You can actually go on to uh, GitHub, which is like a, a place where you share code and things like that. Yeah. And you can download it. You can test it yourself. There's a lot of people online that have tested it. Mm -hmm. uh, some to greater success than others. Yeah. But it's basically like, yeah, you take your phone. I would take video of you for like three seconds. I would input it in. You have to train the AI first before you do that. Yeah. But once you've trained the AI, you can then show this thing and then it'll be like, oh, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And it'll make a 3D model. <gasps> and it'll extrapolate what it looks like on the other side. Oh, wow. Too, right. Yeah. yeah. And so it does it to different success. Yeah. So sometimes it just copies what it sees on the front onto the back and you have this weird... <laughs> Front, double front person. <laughs> so if we got like captured you on the front, you would just have like, you'd have, yeah. Like my face, a face on the front on and the, the front, back. Which would be helpful if you're just like wanting to see behind you all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing. Like if, you, if you watch it for like eight seconds. I can't nine believe seconds, it. And that's how fast it, it goes from a blur to, to something. To something. Nearly instantly. That is wild. And this one, I find this one right here. 
particularly. It, it's like a a soundboard. Whoa! And so they get just a little bit of video input, and it outputs this three D model <sighs> that is like that. Eventually, you won't. The input won't even have to be video. Oh. Eventually, the input could be me typing in uh, a description of Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I could type in the description, and it would create a model that it thinks Ryan looks like. Really? And the AI would actually start building that. So it'd be similar like when you read a book. I was just going to say, like when I'm reading a book, and then they're describing a character, yep. it would build the character. How Absolutely. Whole. So And actually, you know, that'd be an interesting research project. Yeah. Is to throw in like Lord of the Rings. For sure. And just say into the AI, train the AI first, obviously. That's what you always have to do. But yeah. But throw it in there and say, I want all the characters. And then it would it could output what it thinks those characters look like. Based on the information. Based on the based on the description. On the description. Like that. Yeah. How do you train the AI to do those? I mean it's probably really technical, but to yeah. It yeah, so it, it is technical. Yeah. And I don't fully understand it. Right, right. But other than that you're throwing a massive amount of information at it. It's basically like, do this, do this. Yeah, and you're giving this. it parameters yeah. around how you what what you want it to do. So yeah. you would start off saying, I want you to describe things. Yeah. And then you would start throwing things at it to describe. And you'd throw it at it the pictures and the description. Yeah. And like when I say a lot, I'm talking millions. Holy wow. And so you need lots of information. So you wonder why, you know, uh, social media companies and all that stuff or, well, we can use your information and that kind of stuff. A lot of it is for that, AI. Yeah, yeah. So that they can train their AI. Oh, wow. Trippy, hey? It is so yeah. trippy. I'm like, oh, and then again, I'm like, oh. So this one, it takes like? one photo and creates a 3D model from one photo. Whoa. This is called, I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce it. Pifud. Pifud. Yeah. I think that's Pifud. Pifud. Pifud demo. It's Facebook, of course. Oh. So a few years ago, Facebook had this uh, this really cool story, and it's like, hey, we're Facebook. We really like you, and we just want to digitize your life. <laughs> and so all the photos you've been posting, oh, guess what? We're just going to digitize your home. And Ooh. so they started doing this, and I think they got in a little bit of hot water. Oh, it's yeah. Like, you can't digitize my home without my permission. Right, right. And it's like, well, no, the photos, when you post them, they they belong to Facebook. Yeah. And <laughs> so. Yeah. And I think they kind of relented and they're like, right. okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Thank you won't you. do that without permission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they like cross their fingers behind their back while yep. they're saying it. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Facebook would never do that. No. Neither would any. Yeah. They're anyone. great. I love Facebook. <laughs> and that is photogrammetry. Do you have any questions, Jordana? Oh, my goodness. I thought I had one about, oh, oh, actually, so this is, I don't know, this isn't really, I guess it is a question, but it's more of like, I wonder kind of thing with the future too. So part of, um, part of this is when you see it and kind of before when we were talking about, it kind of makes you want to touch it when you see something like this. And I know that if you wanted to, you could 3D print it and then you can kind of get the feeling of the texture somewhat, but it would be kind of cool to somehow make that. I don't know if palpable is the right word. No, it's probably not. But like, like, so you can actually feel it, the texture, right. just by seeing it almost too. Right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's very like, I don't even know how you would do that. But it would be kind of cool to see, say, a fox. And you're like, oh, I wonder, I want to know what that feels, what it feels like. feels like, yeah. And then. And they actually have done a little bit of research into that. Yeah. With, uh, they have these gloves 
that will give you the, the sensation. Uh, the sensation. Okay. Um, I don't know how far that's come. That's a few years ago that I read it, but right. yeah, it's like this huge mechanism. Yeah. Where like you can grab digital things. Yes. That don't exist, oh. and then you can like feel them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Or even so far, like I read, I read this oh years ago too. But it was something like if you wanted to taste a certain kind of beer, say, from across the world, oh. they had these things you would upload. And maybe this is completely false, but I, it was like you kind of upload the data of, of the flavor profiles oh. and you put it into like a plain f- glass of water. And it actually will create the not the full beer, but just the, the, the flavor. flavor. Well, that's interesting. Well, yeah. I, I don't even know what the, where that's at. If that's I, even I real, know that but. with AI, like with images and people yeah uh they've trained ai on like the profile like you talked about profile with the flavor yeah they actually have like this profile for what we look like okay so like what do i look like with glasses and there's like this bar yeah uh, like a a likert scale bar where it's just like well i can make myself look like i have glasses (laughs) or without yeah and there's all this range in between which is really (sighs) weird and so they've trained this ai on like 50 different uh, metrics yeah. on how we look and why we look, distance of our eyes, right. where our eyebrows are placed, all this stuff, uh, our gender, yeah. uh, everything, how old we are. Right. And all these things are like a slider. And so you can go in and you, you say, I want, and you just like we were talking about with Ryan, mm-hmm. you type in a description yeah. and it would pop out a description, but it would have all these bars and you could slide these bars back and forth oh, and it would yeah. change their look, how old they are. Oh. You can actually input your own photo you oh, say, well, man. how would I look if I was old? Honestly. How would I look like if I was, you know? Exactly. That even reminded me of something like, okay, say you were on, maybe it's something where it's like a, a dating profile app where it's like, if you match the same person, like what would children look like with these together with both of yes. these information? Yeah. And I think that was like a Star Trek episode once too on uh, Star Trek Voyager. It was uh, the the engineer. I don't know if anybody, like if you watch that. Watched it, yeah. yeah, so Jane Blana. Yeah, yeah, like the engineer, she is trying to figure out if her future your daughter will have the Klingon head um, right yeah texture or whatever it is or formations yeah. and she doesn't want that because she she got bullied as a as, so right. it's like so it's even that implication is kind of crazy that you could really just do that probably yeah. at some point oh yeah absolutely and then you're like okay should we be doing this should we be looking that far <laughs> and you're like uh. yeah and there's so, tons of ethical yeah things that you have to think about Morality. Yeah. Morality. Yeah. It, it, it enters a whole other, yeah. a whole other thing, which is definitely tied up in AI, and I'm sure this stuff yeah. too. But no, and it's we, super yeah, interesting. We probably talk about that for <laughs> hours and hours. But yeah, I'm sure everybody's yeah, yeah. But no, this was, my voice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, this has been awesome. I really, yeah, it's always so enlightening to like hear you talk about this stuff too. Like, I'm always fascinated. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and thank, thank you, Ryan. Joanna. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. This episode featured Tyler Wall as host and Jordana Gagnon as guest and producer. Thank you to Ryan Robinson, our amazing sound technician and editor. Thank you also to Daryl Benedbeck, Joel Godry, Kelsey Jansen, Jamin Heller, and Jesse Sorensen for their ongoing support and expertise. Our podcast is funded by Lethbridge College's Center for Teaching, Learning, and Innovation and recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. For more information and inspiration, check out learninginnovation.ca. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, or follow us on the chosen platform. Thanks for listening. And take care.